midst of your people. Would you be with us today, Father? Would you be with us on this night? Father, we're here and we're looking to you, Father. Please draw us closer to your son. Please draw us closer to your son. In Jesus' name, amen. Matthew 27, verse 15. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to release for the crowd any one prisoner who they want. And they had then a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered, Pilate said to them, who do you want me to release for you? Barabbas or Jesus who is called the Christ? For he knew that it was out of envy that they had delivered him up. Besides, while he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife, sent a word to him, have nothing to do with that righteous man, for I have suffered much because of him today in a dream. Now the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor again said to them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? And they said, Barabbas. Pilate said to them, then what shall I do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? They all said, let him be crucified. And he said, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, let him be crucified. So when Pilate saw that he was gaining nothing, but rather that a riot was beginning, he took water, washed his hands before the crowd and said, I'm innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. And all the people answered, his blood be on us, on our children. And then he released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, delivered him be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion before him and they stripped him, put a scarlet robe on him, twisted together a crown of thorns. They put it on his head, they put a reed in his hand and kneeling before him, they mocked him saying, hail, king of the Jews and they spit on him and took the reed and struck him on the head and when they had mocked him they stripped him of the robe and put on and put on his own clothes on him and laid and led him away to be crucified today we come we come we come to meditate on the death of Jesus. And as I prayed and I prayed and I meditated and I meditated throughout the week, I said, God, what would you have for your people on this Good Friday? What, what would you have for me to say to your people? And as I think through the story, think through the story, I paused. 
I pause at this story with Pilate, Jesus, Barabbas, and the people. A strange story right before the crucifixion. And it's in all four Gospels. And I pause. And I ask myself, who is Barabbas? Who is he? This, it's a random man mentioned in this glorious story that I hold on to for literally dear life. And so Matthew, in Matthew Barabbas, he's described as a notorious prisoner. The other three Gospels, they mention that he's a robber or, or it mentions he's a, a riot leader or it mentions he's a murderer. Barabbas was a man who murdered. Not much history other than those facts are given about Barabbas leading up to this point. But I think what the Gospel writers want to make clear is that Barabbas is clearly a guilty man and that everybody in the city knows it. This is a man who Matthew calls a notorious prisoner. Everybody knows that this man is a guilty man. And it was, it was Jewish custom for, the, for a Jewish prisoner to be released before the Passover. This was the Roman governor showing the act of goodwill to the Jews that he, were gov that he was governing. And so Pilate, he presents this before the people, this, 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 do you want Barabbas or do you want Jesus? He presents this in his mind. I can only imagine he says that this is a no-brainer. This is a no-brainer. Who do you want me to crucify? In his mind, I can only imagine him thinking, a teacher and a miracle worker? You want to crucify him? Or do you want to crucify a man who murders and stirs up riots? Who do you want me to crucify? I can imagine because the Bible says that Pilate wanted to get Jesus out of this. He was trying to find every way to get him out of being crucified. So him, he says, this is a no-brainer. Of course, they're going to choose Barabbas. But to his surprise, they don't. They choose Jesus. They shout, crucify him, crucify him. I don't know if these words are normal to our ears, but it makes me cringe every time I say it out of my own mouth. Because I can imagine myself being a part of that crowd. Crucify him, crucify him. And as I meditate on this story, it's then where I see it. I see Barabbas as Barabbas, but then I see Barabbas as me. I see an innocent man, life, being traded for a guilty man. And I am clearly a guilty man. We are a guilty people. And I say, how is it that the guilty get to walk free? I see no justice in that. I see no justice in the innocent dying for something that they did not do. I see no justice. A guilty man 
walks free. I see Jesus and I see Barabbas and then I see Jesus and then I see me. And now that I understand the gospel, I couldn't help but to see it from a gospel perspective. And I see myself stand there and I see Jesus and I know what he's about to do. And me, in some twisted way, I want to tell him no. Don't do it. To this day, I still struggle with it, trying to take on my own sin as if I can handle it, as if I can make it right, as if I can do something to appease God. And I see myself stuck, unable to walk away, unable to let him go, knowing what it means for all of humanity. I see myself standing there contemplating, no, don't, let me take care of my own sin. But Barabbas, he walks away. There's no record of him saying, thank you, Jesus. There's no record of him turning to Jesus. Jesus going to the cross, it allowed Barabbas to go free. In a literal sense, Jesus going to the cross, Barabbas literally walks free. An innocent man trades places with a guilty man. The Bible says the righteous for the unrighteous. And Jesus going to that cross allowed me to go free, allowed us to go free, allowed anyone who accepts Jesus by faith to walk free. And so then they beat my Savior. They beat our Savior. Before going to the cross, he was beaten. I have reason to believe he, he had to be whipped at least 39 times. At least 30. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible gives reference to Jewish laws and Jewish customs. and We have to remember that he was whipped by Romans. Ruthless man who cared less about his body and the harm that they were causing him. Let's not get it confused. They were ruthless and careless in their beating of Jesus. Ruthless. No regard for how they tore the flesh off his back. No regard for how they tore the flesh off his legs, off his sides, off his arms. No regard. I sat in my room, I, I sat in the guest room as I'm studying, and, and 39 times potentially seemed like just too much. It just seemed like too much. And I, I, I want you guys to do what I did in that room by myself as I meditate on my Savior. You can do it aloud or you can say it by yourself, but I need you to do it. I need you to do it. We're going to count 39 times. And every time you count, I want to see you. I, I want you to envision a man being whipped. A man being whipped. 
and his flesh being torn. I got to 16. I'm going to tell you what happened before. I got to 16 and it seemed like there was nowhere else to hit. Where else do you whip a man? So it was something like this. I said, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Do you get it? I'm going to keep going to 39. Do you get it? Fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26. I keep hitting the same place. I keep hitting the same place over and over again. 27, 28, 29, 30, 31. Do we get this? Do we get it? This is what our Savior went through. Do we get it? Thirty-two, thirty-three, thirty-four, thirty-five, thirty-six, Jesus' wound shows us the seriousness of our sin. But it also shows us the depth of his love. His wounds, they show us the seriousness of our sin. And at the same time, his wounds, they show us the depth of his love. He is serious about saving you. He could have died being whipped. The mere shock of them beating a man, this roof, he could have died. But Christ, what did he do? He endured. I was amazed when I saw the strength of this man being whipped and getting back up headed to the cross on a mission. To ransom a people. And after this, they mocked him. This might not sound like much to you, but to me, I couldn't imagine being beat, flesh torn from my body, and then to turn around and hear people mock me and talk about me like a dog to my face. He was physically abused and then to turn around and be mentally abused by these people that he is loving on. And then Jesus hangs there on the cross. 
after they spit on him, after they laugh at him, after they taunt him, he hangs there on a cross, humiliated and worn. He hangs there, body torn. He hangs there with nails in his hands. He hangs there, nails in his feet. He hangs there. And why is he there? He traded us places. He traded us places. He took the wrath that we deserve. The Bible says this. The Bible says that the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus. And God, he held nothing back. The full wrath of God poured out on Jesus and he held nothing back. There's no more wrath left for you. For those who believe on Jesus and accept this free gift from God, there is no more wrath left. Jesus took it all. And I felt Jesus say, give me your sin, son. I didn't die for you to hold on to it. I didn't die for you to try to make things right. Give me your sin. Do you see what I went through? Give me your sin. Give me your sin. I took care of it on the cross. You're free.